Courtney. Hey, Sasha. Did you hear about the Mexican magician? No. He said that he was going to disappear on the count of three. Yeah. And then he counted uno. Uh-huh. Dos. Uh-huh. And then he disappeared without a trace. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) It's spoof hour. With a special ghost. Yay! Do you want to introduce yourself, Ghost? Sure. Hi, I am Augie Peterson from the short stories of Augie Peterson, the podcast. Yay! Hi, yay. We're so, we're so excited to have you. We are. Yeah. you are, like, our biggest fan. And, like, you are so encouraging. <laughs> you are so encouraging. Did you message us? Yeah, you messaged us early on. Early. Augie yeah. messaged yeah. us to be like, I love your podcast. And that was when we were still in the, nobody's listening to this dumb thing we do phase. And then we were like, oh my god, we don't know her. And she likes our dumb conversations. <laughs> We're we're big fans of Augie. We are very big fans of Augie and her cat Pumpkin. So the cat with a perfect name. Yes, little (laughs) little black kitty. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about what you do, what your podcast is, where people can find you. Sure. Yeah, I am a author, a self published author. I write horror stories. And uh, occasionally fan fictions about podcasters. <laughs> it's okay. And it was very clearly fiction because as I said then, and I'll say it again now, I would never willingly go on a hike. Well, there I you just goes. wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's just not... Nope. I, I would go willingly on a hike. I would drag Courtney kicking and screaming. Exactly. I would be like, let's have a fun day of hiking. No, I'd be like, you want me to do what? You want me to do what? I'm like, and, and then what do I get to do after this? Let's go for a walk around the lake. <gasps> no. There are mosquitoes, Sasha. That's pumpkin. I'm pulling up your Instagram to show pumpkin. Aww. The one yeah, you posted for so Black Cat Appreciation Day. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. And then Fresh. Zelda shows up and... Zelda's like, hold on, we talking cats? <laughs> Yay! All right, so where, where can people find you on the internet if they want sure. to follow your podcast, follow your writings? Yeah, I am on pretty much every social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I also have a website where you can find everything, which is augiepeterson.wordpress.com. And there are links to my podcast, there's links to my Patreon, there's links to this thing called the Netflix Nook, where I review shitty horror movies. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over the place. All right, and Sasha, where can you find us? Indeed. <laughs> you can't. The you can't. End. Bye. No. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at SpoopHour. Spoop with a P, hour with an H. <laughs> and then email us at spoophour at gmail.com, where we're still soliciting stories. Yes. I'm going to start what we do with every ghost that we have. I'm going to 
try to read your tarot spread as best as I can. Yay! Oh, man. All right, I'm so, so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. Well, um, I mean, at the end of it, because of the cards you chose, we do have to call the police, so. Yes, no. I, you know, I figured. <laughs> I knew those dark secrets couldn't hide for long. <laughs> tarot always gets you. Tarot always gets you. Okay. Augie drew three cards. First was Four of Pentacles. Second was the Page of Wands, and third was the Devil, which don't don't be too spooked. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the past, with the Four of Pentacles, it warns about an attitude of holding on too tightly to things which are bound up with one's sense of self-value. The hmm. fear of loss may mean no loss, but it also means no gain, for there is a stagnation of creative energy which can eventually not only block funds, but also block self-expression. Hmm. So that was in the past, before you reached, you know, your creativity or unleashed it on all of us. You that did start so... your podcast fairly recently. Yeah, yeah that is so freakily on point. Because, like, <laughs> last year, I just kind of decided to start writing because it was something I had always wanted to do, and then... <laughs> I kept hearing all these amazing podcasts, and I'm like, that sounds like so much fun. I should try that. And I did. Yeah. And now it's almost been a year since I started the whole blog and everything. And mm-hmm. I have ADHD, so for me to be on track with something and, like, schedule it for so long is such a huge deal. And it's, like, so awesome. So that's that's crazy. <laughs> and so it continues on through the Page of Wands which mm-hmm. means in the present, it's time for you to discover or continue to work on this cr- stirring of creative potential within yourself, which mm-hmm. is exactly what's happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it could often manifest itself as like restlessness at work or maybe a mm-hmm. feeling of dissatisfaction not that will like motivate you. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a change. It could be a hint or a glimpse that, that you'll be able to expand your life in some way. Oh my god, that's insane. The initial fantasies which accompany such restlessness or, you know, this urge to do something don't have the uprushing power of the Ace of Wands, but it's important to take it seriously because it will be a harbinger of a strong source of inspiration. <gasps> and you want to nurture it rather than just say that it's like a it's a phase or something. You want to nurture this. Oh, dude, that's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha is very powerful. I yeah. I, I hope I am. I, know all I always want to make sure that the readings are good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've been blown away by your readings in the past. <laughs> and just for, to be on the other end of that is absolutely insane. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> all right. So the last card, it's called the devil, right? And so our immediate instinct, kind of like with the death card, is to be like, huh, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it implies the necessity of, like, a confrontation within yourself of anything that's, like, dark or shadowy or, like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to interpret this, like, dishonest or something that's, like, keeping you from fully achieving something. Mm -hmm. You must free yourself by gaining knowledge and kind of be honest and accept this this entity that the the devil card is implying because then you can release your creative power which is held in chains by your own panic or maybe not panic but like self like like self-consciousness or self-doubt yeah Um, thus you come to the heart of the labyrinth and face your own darkness or your own like i don't know insecurities in the essential darkness of your own body to become what you are supposed to be right oh my god yeah Oh my god, yeah. that's so, so you have crazy. to like confront yourself to release your full potential. Release yeah. those demons, girl. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it's kind of wow. spooky. The that devil is... card is spooky, but like it's like this looking inward to release yeah. something outward. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Wow. So all of your stuff was all about creativity, yeah, which I think is spooky. crazy, right? Ooh. That is that is really creepy. I tried to pick the most three random cards that I could. Yeah. So. Well, wow. The fates That's drew so nice. you. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was that, really, that was a really I, good. I, I liked well done, that. Well done, Augie. Yeah, I liked that it was all kind of on theme and and applies specifically to Augie. Yeah, as we know that you work in like creative creative ways. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, and what you guys don't know is that I'm about to go on like a really short hiatus because I just got a new job. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. It's it's been kind of weird lately in my household, so I we kind of had to get another source of income coming into the house and it's not necessarily something that I ever saw myself doing. I'm going to be working at the deli counter at a grocery store Mm -hmm. but it's going to be an interesting thing that keeps me busy and then having that extra source of income will give me the extra little boost that I can do to have like giveaways and go to live readings and sell my merch there and stuff like that. So that is just absolutely insane how that all came together. Yes. Well, you are your tarot is on board. Yeah, your tarot is on board for you to keep pushing forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah, saying don't sure. do it. It's saying do awesome. it. <laughs> good. I was worried that it was going to tell me not to. Well, speaking of don't do it, we have a listener story. <laughs> oh, yay. And it is. Oh, boy. So thank you to John C. I both don't want to say your last name in case you don't want me to say your last name. And also, I'm not 100% sure I would pronounce it correctly. So it's thank John you, John C. C. John, John Cena? Cena. It, oh, she, <laughs> she has Augie. Sasha, Augie. I wanted to respect the man's privacy. I'm sorry, John Cena, it wasn't me. I know in your email you said, P.S., please don't tell anyone I'm John Cena. This just in, John Cena listens to our podcast. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. He's actually, um, Augie, you thought you were our first fan fiction. It was actually John Cena because oh, he included oh. that in the attachment. And you he know. had drawings, so it's, it's a whole other layer. Dang it. I knew I should have <laughs> so taken an So thanks, John class. Cena, for sending this story. <laughs> I spent 24 years in the U.S. Air Force before retiring in 2013. Fun facts about John Cena. Yeah, wow, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. When I arrived at my first duty station in Hawaii, I was still waiting on my security clearance update. Without my clearance, I could not enter my new office. So they assigned me to work in job control. There, we took calls from communication sites when they had equipment or circuit failures, and it was our job to log the outage and schedule or call out maintenance depending on the priority of the equipment. I worked the midnight shift from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. When you sat in front of the job control desk, you were facing the east wall of the office. To your left was the north wall, up near the, and up near the ceiling was a television. To your right was the south wall, and on that wall was two doors spaced about 30 feet apart. Both of these doors had cipher locks, which no one could enter without the code. When work was slow, we would turn our chair to face the north wall and kick back to watch TV. On the second or third night I was on duty, whenever I was watching TV, I got this intense impression that someone was standing behind me watching TV over my shoulder. Oh, Hmm. God. No, thank you. (laughs) The impression was so strong, I would not have been surprised if I had turned around and found someone standing there. But I was absolutely certain no one could be there because they couldn't get into the room. Every night when I got done updating the logs and started watching TV, it was there. I think I dealt with this feeling for two or three nights, but it was driving me crazy. Podcasts are not a visual medium. Sasha is shaking her head. (laughs) (laughs) Augie can see. (laughs) Big pile of note from Sasha. Oh, yeah. No, no. Definitely not. Back to John Cena. 
Finally, <laughs> I came in one night and I couldn't stand it any longer. I turned on the TV and when the feeling started, I turned around and yelled, Damn it, if you are going to watch TV, don't do it over my shoulder! <laughs> and it went away. <gasps> A couple of hours later, the impression came back, but it wasn't behind me. It was like someone was sitting off to my left and watching TV. Oh my. I worked there for about six months, and from that day on, I had company when I watched TV, but they never stood behind me again. Now, a little bit of background on that building. Hmm. The Pacific Air Force's headquarters building was an enlisted dormitory back in 1941 during the attack on Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor and the base where I was stationed are right next to each other. Mm. The bullet holes from the Japanese strafing runs are still in the building. Oh, wow. After the attack, the area where they had the job control desk was a makeshift triage hospital for the wounded. Oh my oh. gosh. Thanks, John Cena! Wow! <laughs> Pearl Harbor crap. ghosts. Yeah, God. Pearl Harbor <laughs> wounded ghosts being like, hey bro, can you change the channel? I want to watch the wrestling. Well, <laughs> the, the fact that he's like, if you're going to watch TV, don't stand behind me! And then he's like, and then I started feeling the ghost sitting next to me. It's like, <laughs> Well, it's polite. It's, it's polite. like, oh, I'm sorry. You but at least, like, now the ghost knows, like, I can sit with you and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually the ghost's just gonna, like, hold his hand and be like, I'm scared. <laughs> this could be very sweet. Oh, my God. Thank you, John Cena. Yeah. Augie, what did you think? <laughs> I want to know what they were watching. Because if you could just, like, stand behind somebody and just watch silently, it's got to be, like, a really intense movie or something like that. And I just think of all the times that I'm watching, like, a competition show or something with a friend or with my husband, and we're, like, screaming at the TV. <laughs> right. So I just want to know if they, like, scream at each other now when they're watching, like, oh, MasterChef Junior so. or something. He's <laughs> like, no, don't just put the white truffle oil on the plate! Oh, my God! I like exactly. the idea of a ghost from, like... Like 1941, <laughs> watching Master Chef Junior. <laughs> being That's like, not wow, how these my mother kids are so talented. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so before we go into our main thing, did anything spooky happen to you guys this week? Augie, do you want to? Do you have anything? Um, I don't know about this week, but recently something yeah, pretty yeah. spooky happened. Yeah, tell us that about counts. it. So my husband and I, we go on this annual trip to Lancaster in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, which is mm -hmm. the antique center of the world, and blah blah blah. Oh, so, I, it's so, Amish country, and it's not? Amish, yeah. Yes, they have good, yes, yeah. exactly. They have good buttered noodles up there. They have some <laughs> yeah. green-ass quilts up there is what yeah. they have. And their pretzels are to die for. You gotta get them off of, like, <laughs> this one, like, ramshackle food truck. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the... Couple, a couple of weeks before I went there, I had a, an extremely vivid dream of a doll talking to me. And it was absolutely terrifying. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely not okay. The mouth wasn't moving, but like no! I walk, visually walk into this shop that I had been in before because we go every year, so I yeah. know what shop it is. Sure. And it's just like sitting there and I can see everything about it and it was absolutely terrifying. And this was two weeks before we were supposed to go. So Ugh. then as like the weeks went on, I kept thinking about it and like she kept coming back to me in the middle of the night while I was sleeping. And then when we got to Lancaster, the day came that we were going to go to that shop because there is so many, t so many antique stores. You have to split mm -hmm. it up between days. And the one day that we were supposed to go to that shop, I wasn't feeling well. And I decided to stay in the hotel, which I'm glad I did because as soon as I made the decision not to go, the 
this weird feeling came over me that was like ah. relief and stress at the same time like it was supposed to be a trap or something no. for me to go there and see this doll so That's i never dear found David out bullshit yeah exactly <laughs> so i never found out what the doll wanted and it just left me alone after i decided not to fall into its little tiny hand trap oh. thing oh it's terrifying so it was so vivid and so weird and i never have vivid dreams that i can remember except for that one and it oh, was God. <laughs> oh no! So, yeah, that, that, oh, honey, <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't get murdered. Yeah, I'm by so a glad that you're safe. Oh my god! Oh Jesus! God. Yeah. What about you guys, though? So, well, ours are significantly less spooky now. Yeah, I was gonna say I have like so the the two weird things like the one is like this liquor cabinet yesterday just like mysteriously falling over at my boyfriend's house. The ghost was oh, like, we were... "You should not drink." Yeah, just like the whole thing. The 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 cabinet like. I think we were just saying, like, it, it just gave up. Like, it oh, just wow. snapped in half and just <laughs> fell over. And we were like, okay. But, Big mood, though. Um, yeah. I, so yeah, yesterday sure. I went to on a day trip to Richmond, Virginia, um, which is a ways south of us. And my friend was telling me about, like, a friend of ours who just bought a house with her husband. And they had, they, they bought a brand, like, a new house, like, mm-hmm. new construction. Because the, the house of their dreams, which they had called the farmhouse... They went through the whole process. They, like, put a bid on it. They were doing the inspections. The inspector opened up a cubby hole and then looked in, put his head back out, closed it, and said, I'm not going in there. Oh, no! You don't fucking farm know houses. this! The house oh, um, was infested with snakes. <gasps> snakes? Oh, snakes. God. So snakes... That's not the- what I was expecting it to be! tell you but you've got snakes <laughs> hold on hold on snakes in the basement Jesus. snakes in the walls no. filling the walls and then she like continued the inspection <laughs> elsewhere they got into the attic snake skin everywhere oh my god they picked one place to put all of their skin oh it's oh. so terrifying and so, I mean, you have to respect their tidiness they're like, like this is gonna be where the dead skin goes guys i don't want to have to say it again so oh these god. friends end up buying a different house because you know how you get rid of snakes in a house you, you don't burn it. you don't you have you to burn, burn the whole place down. oh my god either burn the whole place down or seal off every single like hole or crevice or whatever which is going to be impossible for a house like that yeah so they just even know that that's how happen. they ended up with their house wow yeah that's just another oh, yeah no. oh my. so um well, and then it and then, belongs to the snakes now right, so yeah. that's, that's another friend of ours and then the friend that i visited yesterday um, she and her husband have bats oh so, but and and there was one point where they thought they saw like a flock of birds flying to the church down the block Uh-oh. and it was it just was... bats and they all like jumped into the <laughs> church's chimney and so they were like we should probably call the church and tell them that they have 300 bats <laughs> i mean good news they're not vampires right they're not yeah, otherwise they wouldn't go to the church so like <laughs> yeah i don't know what their problem they, is. they initially figured out they had bats when my friend was doing laundry oh, and no. stuck her she she thought she saw like a sock in the washer before oh, she started loading no. laundry and it was a baby bat oh my god she was like this sock has feet <laughs> oh my god. on the note of socks with feet that happened oh when i was growing up i had a i had a hamster wait his name was chainsaw he chewed on everything okay That's like when hamster. we got him we got him in a little like cardboard cutty thing that had like 
Um, yeah. holes and by the time we got him home he had like chewed out an entire corner so we were like oh well God. all the names I was going to give him are yeah. done because this is clearly chainsaw clearly clearly and chainsaw <laughs> liked to he would chew through his habit trail enclosure so oh then he'd God. like get out run around the house and our cocker spaniel was always really good at finding him mm-hmm. but you know in the meantime before the cocker spaniel realized he was missing he was just like on a tear through the house well my grandmother yeah. came for a visit one day <gasps> Oh, no. And she was staying in the house. And my grandmother lives in California. So she was severely jet lagged. So she was up till like probably like one o'clock, two mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning because, you mm-hmm. know, her time, it was like 11. Right. And she was going to bed and she was in the hallway. So she was walking towards the bathroom. All the lights were out because everybody else was asleep. And she sees a sock on the ground. So she's like, oh, I will pick up this sock and put it in the dirty clothes hamper. No. It was not a sock. It was Chainsaw, and Chainsaw did not appreciate being picked up because he, like, bolted. My grandma screamed because a sock just came to life. <laughs> and then our Cocker Spaniel was like, hey, guys, he's over here. And that was that. Chainsaw went back into his, his little habit trail. The sock Oh, my gosh. Life. Those hamsters. Socks. Yeah. The spooky thing that happened to me, I know we talked about it in our Creepypasta episode, but just to refresh anybody's memory, you know the Creepypasta about the guy who's in the resort and he sees a guy who looks just like him? Mm -hmm. Apparently, I have one of those because I was in Target on Tuesday and I was trying to find a belt and the girl next to me was trying to find jeans and we were both complaining about the lack of selection because she like starts talking to me and I'm like, this is weird, but okay, fine. You want to chat. That's fine. So I'm like chit-chatting with her and she goes, sorry, did you go to... George Mason, which is a university around here. And I go, oh, no, sorry, I didn't. And she's like, oh, okay, because you look you look so much like somebody that I was in class with. And I'm like, I get that a lot. I think I have one of those faces. And she's like, really? Because you look so much like her. And I'm like, oh. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 went to this, I went to this other university. Sorry, I don't know. And she's like, oh, okay, what'd you study there? And I go, English. And she goes, that's what this girl studied. <gasps> no. And I'm God. like... <laughs> okay and then I'm like she doesn't speak Japanese does she because I took Japanese during there and she goes she doesn't but she does love anime so I have a doppelganger somewhere around here who also study English so that's fine that's my spooky thing for the week that is insane you're gonna come home one day and you're gonna be like Courtney you look different (laughs) and I'm gonna be like no Sasha I do not you're just a little bit off (laughs) just a little bit also since when do you love anime Right. Who are we kidding? You're going to be like, yes, let's watch Crunchyroll. Let's, let's watch- <laughs> Finally, you're interested in anime. <laughs> okay. All right. So what are we talking about this week, ladies? Uh, missing people, right? Yeah. yeah yes. Missing people, disappearances. Spooky disappearances. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to start out with just a really short bit about Agatha Christie. Ooh. And so a few years ago when I was still teaching ninth grade, we did... Uh, Murder on the Orient Express? No. Oh, and then there were none. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> I did touch this a little bit with my students where we were, I was like, this weird thing that happened to Agatha Christie. So <laughs> really briefly, thanks to historian Giles Milton for fleshing out this case and a little bit of Wikipedia and some of the Telegraph. So at shortly after 9.30 p.m. on Friday, December 3rd, 1926, Agatha Christie got up from her armchair and climbed the stairs of her Berkshire home. She kissed her sleeping daughter Rosalind, age seven, goodnight, and made her way back downstairs again. Then she climbed into her Morris Crowley and drove off into the night. She wouldn't be seen again for 11 days. 
Hmm. Are we going to say 11 years or something crazy? Like <laughs> like 11 years. Honestly, for me, it's probably, it's, it's creepier that she was gone for 11 days yeah. rather than like yeah. six months. Right. Because yeah. like, if she were in like a fugue state or like she hit her head and she was in a coma, like longer would make more sense. But yeah. 11 days, it's like, yeah. what happened, what happened to you? Happened to you? Right. So her, dis- so her disappearance would spark one of the largest manhunts ever mounted. Agatha Christie at this point was already famous, and so because of her significance, more than 1,000 policemen were assigned to the case, Shit. along with hundreds of civilians, because, you know, they, were, they thought they might be, like, looking for a body, or, like, oh. having to track through the woods. Um, and then they also used airplanes in this search, because it was still pretty early on Ooh. in, like, aviation. They were trying to do, like, aerial viewing. Mm-hmm. The Home Secretary wow. of, uh, of England, William Johnson Hicks, urged the police to make faster progress in finding her. And the two of Britain's most famous crime writers, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock, <laughs> and Dorothy L. Sayers, author of the Lord Peter Whimsey series, were also drawn into the search. The idea was that because they were all mystery writers, they would be, like, ace detectives. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Obviously. It's like Castle, except it doesn't exactly. matter. <laughs> so, ultimately, it didn't take them that long to find her car. It was found abandoned on a steep slope at the Newlands Corner near Guildford, but there was no sign of Agatha Christie herself, and there hadn't been any, like, clear evidence that she had been involved in an accident. Like, it didn't seem like the car was, like, severely wrecked. It was just, like, she just got out. and It was just parked. Parked. Um, So as the first day of investigations progressed into the second and third, there was still no sign of her, and so people started, you know, speculating. The tabloids are having a field day, lots of gossip and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. So... It was also like, you know, it's Agatha Christie. It's a whodunit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to her? Mm-hmm. So close to the scene of the car was a natural spring that was known as the Silent Pool, where two young children had been, like, there was a rumor that two young children had died there. And so they're like, oh, maybe Agatha Christie drowned herself, but her body wasn't there. So they're like, okay, mm-hmm. that's not it. And yeah. some people were saying that suicide seemed unlikely because her professional life had seemed so optimistic her sixth novel was The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, and it was at that point selling really well, and she was already a famous household name. Hmm. But some people still thought that it was just a publicity stunt. It was like a clever book promotion thing, and she was really safe somewhere. Yeah. But other people had known her to be in a depressed state at that point because of literary overwork, Uh-oh. but then she was also still grieving her mother's death from earlier that year. And then other people suggested something even worse, which was that she had been murdered by her husband, Archie Christie. And oh, so man. Archie Christie was a uh, World War I pilot, and he was also a serial philanderer. Classic. And at the time of Agatha Christie's disappearance, he had a mistress. But so then classic. some people also mm. then thought even more sinister, she was trying to frame him for murder. Ooh, so, so she, she gone girl herself? So she, like, gone girl oh. herself. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. oh man, I know it's not that, but I wish that would it were. Be crazy. Right? But it's not, but I wish. Yeah. <laughs> so Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a keen occultist, tried using paranormal powers to solve the mystery. He took one of um, Agatha Christie's gloves to a medium <laughs> and hoped. What's he just gonna animate, like point the direction? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hope that like she can make the glove like float and be like, let's go over there. See, <laughs> if I were a ghost, that would be when I just like extend the gloves no, bigger and bigger. Like, <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> I don't want to be found. Nah, mind your beeswax. <laughs> Podcasting is not a me- visual medium. But we're Sasha and I simultaneously flipped the bird. It was yes. beautiful. Um, and it ultimately didn't provide. The medium couldn't do 
do anything about it. And then Dorothy <laughs> Sayers went and visited the scene to try to, like, find clues herself. Because being, Augie, you are a writer yourself. Yeah. Because you are a writer, you have yeah. superpowers, yes? Where you can go to Clearly, things and just, I like, sense stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I've been hired to, to solve many murders in my time. Makes sense. Mother. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. continue. Yeah. This is how they found her, right? <laughs> but by the second week of the search, news, so, you know, seven days have passed and we're into the second week. News spread around the world and even, like, made its way to America through the New York Times. But on ele- December 14th, 11 days after she disappeared, Agatha Christie was finally located. She was found safe and well in a hotel in Harrogate, but in circumstances so strange they raised more questions than they solved. Christy herself was unable to provide any clues as to what happened. She remembered nothing. It was left to the police to piece together what might have taken place. They came to the conclusion that Agatha Christie had left home and traveled to London, and then crashing or, you know, like, damaging her car en route. And then she checked into the Swan Hydro, which is now the old Swan Hotel, with no luggage. She used the assumed name of Teresa Neal rather than Agatha Christie. Hmm. Teresa Neal was the name of her husband's mistress. Oh, <gasps> no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I wonder if she genuinely was trying to gone girl herself then. Yeah. Because, so, like, if they find Agatha Christie's body in Teresa Neal's hotel room. Oh, crap. Oh. Interesting. Oh, she gone girl before it was cool to gone girl. Oh, shit. <laughs> Original gone girl. Original gone girl, Agatha Christie. <laughs> so, Harrogate, where she was staying, was the height of elegance in the 1920s, and it was filled with fashionable young people. Agatha Christie did nothing to arouse suspicions as she joined in with balls, dances, and pomp court entertainment. She was eventually recognized by one of the hotel's banjo players who alerted the police. God bless that banjo God player. God bless banjo players. <laughs> They tipped off her husband, Colonel Archie Christie, who came to collect Agatha Christie immediately. But his wife was in no hurry to leave. She kept him waiting in the hotel lounge while she changed into her evening dress. Queen! (laughs) And so... Your punk ass can wait! (laughs) The the belief had been that Agatha Christie had never spoken about the 11 days that she had been missing her life and that there was still a lot of speculation. Her husband said that she suffered from total memory loss as a result of the car crash, but biographer Andrew Norman said that she may have been in a fugue state or some kind of psychogenic trance, which is a rare condition brought on by trauma or depression. Norman says that her adoption of a new personality, which was Teresa Neal, and her failure to recognize herself in newspaper photographs were signs that she had maybe fallen into some kind of psychogenic amnesia. Mm. But he also believed that she may have been suicidal because the state of her mind was very low and she wrote about this experience in her autobiographical novel called Unfinished Portrait through Mm -hmm. the character of Cecilia. And then biographer Laura Thompson also suggested that Christie wrote her feelings about this incident in six of the novels she wrote between 1930 and 1956 under the name Mary Westmacott, which was all of her books written in a different style. So Uh she like let out some of her secrets that way. So ultimately in 1928, she was like, I've had enough of you, Mr. Christie, and divorced him and then ended up marrying a archaeologist named Sir Max Malouin. Oh, he (laughs) sounds nice. Um, In 2017, there was a novelist named Andrew Wilson, who's also the biographer for Patricia Highsmith and Sylvia Plath, but also Alexander McQueen, the fashion designer. Mm. Um, And he wrote a novel called A Talent for Murder, which is a fictionalized account of Agatha Christie's disappearance. But he did a lot of research for it, and he said that, you know, while people assumed that she had never talked about it, she had left hints in other interviews that she did. 
Apparently, after her mother's death, she suffered a depression, which had been deepened by, like, a, like her husband's infidelity and whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but she said that she drove past a quarry on December 3rd, like, so she was found on the 14th. On December mm-hmm. 3rd, she had drove past a quarry on the way back from visiting a relative in Dorking, and she said that there came in my mind a thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I left home in the night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. Jeez. And then while, when I reached a point in the road when I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off the road and down the hill towards it. I let the wheel and the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. And up until this moment, I was Mrs. Christie. So the theory that Wilson has is that after crashing her car, she came to her senses and realized, like, this is stupid. Like, I shouldn't mm-hmm. kill myself. Which is good because, yeah. like, she's, she's given us more work since then, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. And then instead she invented kind of almost as, like, out of embarrassment. She was like, I'm just going to pretend I have amnesia. Yeah. So as, like, a I way mean, of, like, self-protection. Yeah, right? if, you think, if you think of it at the time, it was not mm-hmm. a good time to be like, I was having mental health issues right, where right. I did not want to be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. I could not reach out to anyone for help, which right. everyone should do if you feel you yeah. need it. And yes, so she couldn't just be like, I was going through some mm-hmm. shit and I wanted to be left alone for 11 days. Right. So she had to be like, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. I almost think yeah. about Sylvia Plath in that too. Yeah. Where she like hid herself under her parents' ba- uh, ha- like mm-hmm. porch. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. She, they found her, right? Yeah. And then like her suicide, her ultimate suicide was probably, she didn't mean for it to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Treat women writers better. It's true. Yeah. Treat yeah. everybody but better. I love Agatha Christie and I'm glad Please. that she was okay. I love her. I love the image of like her making her husband wait in the lobby of this hotel That's and putting on like a gorgeous <laughs> evening dress and being like, who are you? And then just swan on yeah. down and be like, oh. I'm sorry, were you waiting for me? <laughs> I didn't see you there. Uh, <laughs> Great. So, I imagine, yes. yeah. I imagine that part nice. would be really cool. Also, I, good for her for divorcing her husband. I mean, yeah, he's not a piece of shit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Joke's on him. She's rad and nobody remembers him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Doctor Who actually has an episode about the disappearance of Agatha Christie. Oh, really? They, I must have yeah, missed that one. It's cool. with Ten, so when David Tennant is the doctor. Gotcha. And it's with Donna Noble, so that season to help you whittle down yes, your falls. Yes, yes, yes. So they go to this, like, country house estate party, and Agatha Christie's there, and everybody's, like, having a grand old time. People keep turning up dead. There's a giant wasp slash hornet slash bee creature of some kind, like, like human-sized. Oh, God. And then it turns out it's because the this woman had an affair with an alien dude who was a wasp person and she got oh. pregnant and gave birth to a wasp baby but because she was unmarried she gave the baby away and it looked like a human because it had part of her in it and then the wasp baby didn't realize it was a wasp baby until he became like a vicar or some shit and these kids were robbing the church oh and gosh. he like had an awakening and turned into the giant wasp monster while he was reading an Agatha Christie book. So he had this weird psychic connection to Agatha Christie. And so she went, she drove to that body of water to throw whatever gemstone he was tied to into the water. So he would drown himself 
as the bee monster. And then she was so traumatized from the whole, this is an alien that's also a giant wasp that also had a weird psychic connection to me that she lost her memory for 11 days. And that's really the real story of Agatha Christie. I mean, I believe that. That sounds really (laughs) believable. I'll allow it. (laughs) Giant bee people, clearly. Who among us hasn't had to deal with the giant bee person in our lives? All right. Well, Augie, do you want to go? I have three shorter stories. Sure, yeah. Mine is kind of depressing because it's actually true. Uh, well, I mean, not that the Agatha Christie one Yeah, right. True, but <laughs> no, but it, yeah, kind uh, of depressing. Yeah, yeah. Like it actually happened at the college that I went to, and for oh, wow. fear of being doxxed, I won't mention what college it was, and I yeah. won't don't say names or anything Augie, like that. Don't dox Augie, dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> and don't murder me. <laughs> yeah, also that. Yes, please. Especially like you bee people. monsters. Yeah. <laughs> So, basically, this guy went missing at my college, and there are multiple reports about what he left behind, but essentially he left behind, and all these sources are, like, varied between local newspapers, I think the Huffington Post was one of the sources, but I use about five or six different sources to corroborate all the stuff that I'm gonna say. Cool. So, he goes missing sometime in January, and bodies found five months later. And there's all kinds of weird stuff surrounding it, and it's it's more mysterious because the college that he went missing from is a Reformed Presbyterian private school that's, like, very small, very close-knit, so everybody kind of knew who he was, even though he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was, like, 18 years old, he was a freshman, and mm-hmm. he just up and went missing one day. And his keys, his wallet, some people said his phone and like a large winter jacket because it was in January Mm -hmm. uh, were all left back in his room and he was found in like a sweatshirt and then all he had on him was his school ID which you need to get into like different buildings and stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, he was an engineer and they all like live in this one building so he could have stopped there at some point but basically all he had on him was his ID and he was in like running gear so it looked as if maybe he went for a jog and then somehow ended up in the river that runs right next to campus because that's where his body was found. Sorry I just had is this there's those murders the series of murders they think might be murders where there's like the plastic bag with the smiley face? No. Graffiti? No? Okay. No. But that sounds freaking terrifying. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like they're not even sure if it is, like, a serial killer, but it's, like, the people it's all affected are all young men who are roughly, like, 18, 19 years oh, old. They're found, drowned in shallow bodies of water, oh, and then nearby there's, like, a graffiti smiley face and, like, a plastic bag. Well, I mean, none of the things that I read said anything about okay. that. Okay. So I mean, I, mean, I could it, just be confused. I yeah. think a lot about murder, so I could just well, be confusing also- things. Is there, like, a specific spot where that happened? Because it happened in, uh, like, around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. I want to say it was somewhere in the northeast, but I don't know exactly where. Oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't mention that, and I feel like they probably would have, but... Yeah, Yeah. but it just just seems almost like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Sorry, Sorry, not to interrupt you. Very sad story with my bullshit. (laughs) That's crazy. But yeah, like, he he goes missing, and then it's during the winter months, so it's really cold, and apparently there was a snowstorm that was coming. Oh. Basically, what I knew before I started doing my research is that he forgot a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought that maybe it was a suicide, mm-hmm. but I think the school was actually trying to hide it in a way, 
because it was like a private Christian school and they didn't want to say, oh, one of our students just committed suicide. Right. But also the circumstance of his drowning was very weird. And apparently, although I couldn't find the actual document, I don't know if that's like public or anything, but his autopsy said that the cause of death was that he drowned but he died because he committed suicide. And I don't know how you would be able to tell that if somebody drowned and then committed suicide. Yeah. Because unless it was the angle of, like, a self-inflicted wound, then I don't see how they could say that it was suicide. Right. But, you know, they kind of just tossed that around. And then stories of people saying that he made some kind of cryptic post about a problem that he was having that he couldn't figure out on his own. Sorry, my cat is like trying to rub her face on my microphone. So if you're hearing purring, that's why. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's mysterious in the sense that yeah, he it was the Midwest. Sorry, I just found the Wikipedia article. If you want to look it up, it's the smiley face murder theory. And it's in the Midwest. It's a theory advanced by two retired New York City detectives that a number of young men found dead in bodies of water across several Midwestern American states over the last decade did not accidentally drown, but were victims of a serial killer or killers. Wow. And the term smiley face was connected to the alleged murders when it was made public that the police had discovered graffiti depicting a smiley face near locations where they think the killer dumped the bodies. Oh, God. Jeez. Yeah, That's but there's insane. there's a lot of, like, skepticism surrounding that, like, well, you know, maybe it's just a common graffiti thing, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe it's just a series of very sad things that happen, and we're looking for connections mm-hmm. that aren't there. Right, yeah. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think this was connected to that. Yeah. That sounds insane. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... It's just mysterious in yeah. this case because, you know, you don't know whether or not it was suicide and you don't know whether or right. not he fell into the river or what. But five months later, his body was found by some worker in, like, another town, mm-hmm, which yeah. was conjoined by the river. And it's interesting because in one of the articles I found, they said that the police in the town where he died, in the town where the river is, mm-hmm. he... Hey, pumpkin, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> again in the middle of my camera. <laughs> It says that they only searched the area of that town. And that particular oh. town is extremely small. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of towns around it that are much bigger and that are connected with the river that he was found right. in. Yeah. So why were they just searching in that one little area? And then also yeah. I found that the FBI was involved and oh. they looked through his computer and his phone and they wouldn't tell anybody what they found if they found anything and there's that's like weird. so many layers to this it's like right. crazy oh, that's so spooky. yeah oh. and it's just mysterious and in the sense yeah. uh also the only person they were really able to interview was his family because he was a freshman and you know he missed 5 months there of being around classmates so no one really knew who he was Mm -hmm. and the only real students that they could talk about were uh people that he met during like freshman orientation Mm -hmm. i was like why did the camera black out because there's a cat black cat blackout (laughs) (laughs) and uh so the only person that he could they could really interview was his aunt who had raised him from the age of two i think it was when his mother died Um, and she said that there was no post on Facebook saying that he was having trouble. He wasn't depressed. She didn't believe he was suicidal or even capable of committing suicide. He had just recently started exercising. 
since he had graduated high school, so we can assume he'd been running for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And I think she said since, like, June. So, like, from June to January. Oh, yeah. And, like, that, you know, that affects your mental state. makes you feel better if you're not feeling so great. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just, like, the big switch. Maybe it was a suicide. Maybe it was a murder. They don't even, like... No, Maybe he no just ice. hit a patch of ice in the wrong place and Exactly. Like, right. And, like, the river from the campus is, like, behind these woods and across a train track. And mm. technically, being on that train track is trespassing on private property. Right. So I students mean, yeah, aren't our, even our allowed. Our college had train tracks, same rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're not even allowed to go down there. So yeah. he would have probably been seen by somebody, or mm-hmm. if he hadn't been seen by somebody, it would have been really easy for him to just fall right in there so it could have been a mistake it could have been a murder it could have been a suicide we don't really know yeah so yeah it it was just it was crazy and he was found like i said five months later by uh, a worker and i never saw results of like a toxicology report but i saw results of the autopsy which said he drowned and committed suicide but i I don't know how you can determine that from an autopsy you know yeah, so, there's some more questions. Yeah, exactly. Questions. There's so many yeah. questions. So that's mm. that's one that was like personally affected. That personally affected me because when I was first going there, mm. I think he was like an incoming freshman and had started the semester before me. Mm-hmm. Oh. And when I got there, there were like signs all over the place with his name and then like prayer oh, vigils going oh, on yeah. and everyone had like those support bracelets and stuff like that. Right. So I was aware of it on campus and that it was mm-hmm. happening, but I didn't know like what had happened. And they they made really sure that all of the freshmen that were coming in for orientation had absolutely no contact with anybody who was grieving and they like oh, wow. made it like this real private thing. So Well that's it, good at yeah, least. But yeah. But it's, it, it's yeah. still strange. Yeah. Right. It is, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they just kinda drop it and then when he was found, it, like, rose up a little bit and then died down, like, really fast. Yeah, that's so, very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super strange. Super it's strange. a very mysterious disappearance. Yeah. Yes, very. Even mm-hmm. though he was found, it was still very yeah. mysterious. Yeah. And, I want to be thinking you know, about this for a while. I know. Right. And he was gone for five months. And because it was, like, during a really rough winter, and this is up near Pittsburgh in the mm-hmm. mountains... The weather was really bad. There were a couple of nor'easters. So they even had to suspend the search for a few months in there. And they weren't looking for him at all. And, like, they had volunteers, firefighters, police, everybody looking for him. But apparently no one was looking in the right spot. Yeah. So I I don't know. You know? That's just weird, too. Because it doesn't sound like he was that far from campus. Yeah. Yeah, And he was only about a town over when they found him. In the search radius. Yeah. Right. And it's not a big river. It's not a big river whatsoever. Maybe 10, 20 feet across. Yeah, that's not big at all. And not very deep. Like, surrounded by woods where there's a lot of places for him to have gotten caught on or maybe gotten out of the water. Super mysterious. Very, very strange. It feels, like, like mismanaged almost. Yeah. 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 I thought that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know if... I should even bother looking into what the college had to say. A lot of the statements that were made were from the president of the school, Mm -hmm. and they were very blanket statements, like, we're really sorry that this happened, and we're all sad and stuff like that. But it wasn't anything more than that, and he wasn't, like, in trouble with the school. And like I said, he was an incoming freshman, so no one really knew him. So it's so 
so many more questions than answers with yeah. this one. So, a very mysterious disappearance in later Definitely. Finding. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. So. All right, shall we start yeah, all right. with three more stories? Mm. Yes. Mine, I have theories for all of them for oh. what happened. I have three little vignettes, sort of more lighthearted. Because okay. at least we Good. have Glad we're ending a on a year of history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a jumping off point, I'd like to thank Thought Catalog and Wikipedia, because mm-hmm. as always, that's where I started my research. And then when we get to each story, I will tell you where I get right. it. So the first one, Solomon Northup. Thanks to the National, and I put in my notes, website, not the band, <laughs> and mysteryinthehistory.com. Mystery in the history. Classy. It's basically relic. Uh, Mystery in the history. Mystery in the Essentially, history. yes. So, in 1807 or 1808, Solomon Northup was born a free man in New York. The son of a freed slave and a free woman, Solomon led a pretty okay life. He was a farmer, he owned his own land, and he was a professional violinist, and he had a wife and three children. Okay. So, doing pretty well. Yeah. In 1841, he was offered a traveling musician's job by two white men, so he traveled with them to Washington, D.C. All right. And that's when shit got exponentially worse. Oh God. oh, God. And that may have been why you thought to yourself, wait, that name sounds familiar. Why yeah. do I know that name? It's because it's the author of 12 Years a Slave. <gasps> so, oh, man. when he got to D.C., a place where slavery was legal, even yeah. though he was a free man from New York, he was drugged, kidnapped, and forced into slavery I've in heard, New Orleans I've for 12 this years. Story. Yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah, I when I when I was talking, I actually mentioned this at our roommate's birthday thing mm-hmm. yesterday. I was like, this is what I'm doing, you know, because we're doing mysterious disappearances. And they're like, well, that's not mysterious. We know where he went. And I'm like, oh no. It was <laughs> after the slavery part. After the slavery oh, part. Wow. Because so he was a slave for 12 years. He eventually yeah. won his freedom back and in 1853 he published a memoir of his experience called 12 Years a Slave, now oh, an Academy wow. Award-winning motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also tried to sue the men who kidnapped him and sold him into slavery, Good but they were him. acquitted. And this is just Ugh. a big old pile of bullshit because Solomon could not legally testify against them because he was black and they were white. Way to go, historical DC. Oh, just fucking dollars. Just incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I got real mad at that point. Yeah. So they dropped the charges. Because, like, there was some discussion of, like, well, maybe we can bring him up on charges in New York, even though the crime occurred in D.C. And then, like, but they ended up going on trial in D.C. where he couldn't legally testify. It was a bunch of bullshit. Anyway, after publishing his memoir, Solomon went on a lecture tour, and he also worked as a carpenter. He was also unsurprisingly a very vocal abolitionist, and he was involved in the Underground Railroad. Right. In 1857, he started another lecture tour, this time starting in Canada, and sometime after that, he disappeared. Right. That's it. Seriously. Nobody knows what happened to him. Most sources place his death at around 1863, because that was when he was last reported as being seen. Basically, someone was like, oh yeah, he came to visit my dad, who was a reverend, after the Emancipation Proclamation, and that's basically the last reported sighting of him. After that, gone. Nobody knows what happened to him. Theories range as to what happened. Some people think that he was kidnapped and sold into slavery again, only this time there was no record, and 
he wasn't able to get out. Right. But it was also, that's also kind of a shaky theory because at that point he was in his 50s. So if you're an asshole who sells people and wants to make money selling human beings, that's not a human being you're going to get a lot of profit for because he's older. Right. And also he's really well known. So you're running the risk of him being recognized and you getting into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Others think that he wasn't doing a lecture circuit so much as he was a spy in the Civil War for the Union Army. And so that maybe after the Emancipation Proclamation, they figured it out that he was a spy and then he was killed in the line of duty. And then you have the most bummer explanation that is probably also the most likely. He was a prominent black man who had survived so much absolute horror and terror, and some dickhead racist didn't like that he was outspoken about abolition on his lecture circuit, and they killed him. But what's weird about that is there should be, someone should have said something at some point. Right. Yeah. Like, one of those racist assholes should have been like, guess what I just did? Like, yeah. But the fact that they didn't... It's like, where did he go? Right. Yeah. And starting in, I think it was in like the 1870s, in the census, Solomon's wife started listing herself as recently widowed. So at that, like everyone assumes that he, he passed away because they don't, Mm. they don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't the kidnapping into slavery. That was his mysterious disappearance. (laughs) It was the other fucking mysterious disappearance where he just, boop, gone. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. That guy hadn't gone through enough. I know. I saw that one. Like, I I was on a list titled, like, 13 Unexplained Disappearances. And I saw his, and I was like, we know what happened to him. No, we do not. No. Wow. Yeah. Mm. All right. The next one I have is a less inspirational dude. So when he disappears, we're all going to go, yay. Are we ready for this? (laughs) Yes. Because we're about to talk about Bela Kish which is spelled B-E-L-A-K-I-S-S, and I'd like to thank Google Translate for pronouncing the Slovak and Hungarian names for me. Wow. Also, I'd like to thank allthatsinteresting.com. Bela Kish. By the time he was 23 years old, Bela Kish was living his best life. He lived just outside Budapest, Hungary, and ran a successful tin business. So he was tin business in the tin business. Ha. <laughs> 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 so tintresting. Everyone loved him. He was said to be super charming and really fucking hot and a very eligible bachelor who threw a bunch of lavish parties at his rental home. In 1903, Bella started to get a little weird, taking an interest in the occult and astrology, but also who among us hasn't? Right. True. True. I just read, read tarot. You just read tarot. Yeah. So like... Yeah. But you really want that to be where your similarities to Bela Kish okay. end, right. as we're about to get into. <laughs> oh, God. Bela tried to end his bachelorhood twice, but both marriages ended with divorce. After the second divorce, he hired a housekeeper named Mrs. Jakubets, J-A-K-U-B-E-C, Jakubets, oh. Slavic languages. Don't speak them, trying my best. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Jakubets got tired and Bela tells her that his second wife had left him for her lover and that they had run away together to America. And the housekeeper was like, this seems fine. I'm going to work here and clean your house. But then Bela started getting even weirder. His housekeeper noticed that he was taking out a lot of ads in newspapers, both as a fortune teller or a matrimonial agent, because who better than a twice-divorced amateur astrologer to set you up with somebody you got to live with for the rest of your life? (laughs) I can think of no one better. And then he also put out a lot of personal ads describing himself as a lonely widower named Hoffman, and thus he spent a lot of time communicating with single young ladies. 
Ugh. I don't like him. He also no. had one room in his house that he kept locked all the time and told Mrs. Jakobetz never to go into, which is totally normal. We totally. all have that room that yes. we don't let anybody into. Obviously, yes. <laughs> Around this time, old Bela also got a really cool hobby, and that hobby was collecting giant metal drums. Oh. Okay. When the neighbors called the cops because who the fuck has a ton of giant metal drums <laughs> just hanging out in their backyard, Bela was like, oh, don't worry. World War One rumblings are coming. I know we're about to go through fucking rations and whatever. So I'm just stocking up on gasoline and keeping it in the backyard. It's super normal. I, I don't know about this. Don't be weird, guys. And the cops were like, you're right. Let's not be weird. No. And they left. Oh, no. <laughs> in 19- cops are always useless in these stories. Right? <laughs> They're all useless. It's going to get worse. In 1914, oh, Bela was conscripted and he left his home to join the army. Two years later, his landlord remembered that Bela had a buttload of gasoline and those big metal drums in the backyard, and he had some needy soldiers who were like, yo, you got any extra gasoline? And he's like, I know where we can get some. Let's go to my old buddy Bela's backyard. Oof. So there they go, so they could get the gasoline and they could fuel their soldiery needs. But when they pried open the lid off of one of the giant metal drums, what was inside? It was bodies. It oh wasn't God. gasoline. Dead oh. bodies? It was... <laughs> The bodies of 23 women and one man. Oh, good oh God. <laughs> All had been strangled and many had puncture wounds on their neck and they were mysteriously drained of blood. No. Which is why Bela Kish is also known as the vampire of Sincota, the town outside of Budapest where he lives. Holy oh moly. Oh my gosh. The police at this point were like, holy shit, we done fucked up. Yeah. And immediately contacted the army being like, hey, if you know where this Bela guy is and he hasn't been like killed in action or whatever, you should probably arrest him. Unfortunately, Bela Kish is a very common name. So the army couldn't figure out one, which one he was, or two, if he was still alive, or three, if he had been captured while serving. Oh no. Because again, it's World War One. A lot of shit was going on. So they were like, yeah. Bela Kish, I don't really know who that is. I mean, we've got like 15 Bela Kishes. Are they all serial killers? Also, fun fact, the one man he killed, you remember the wife who ran off with her lover? She didn't run off with the lover. They were his first two victims. Oh, no. Yeah, the fucking worst. In October 1916, police got a letter saying that Bela Kish was recuperating in a Serbian hospital. So they're like, sweet, we're going to get this motherfucker for all of his fucking murders. But somehow he knew they were coming. So he managed to both escape and he placed the body of a dead soldier in his hospital bed as like a decoy. So that classic like teenager (laughs) sneaking out of the house with the pillows. He did that with a dead body and bounced. And so the cops were like, well, that was our only lead. And that was when he officially vanished. Oh my gosh. Since then, Bela has been spotted a couple of times. Some think he died of yellow fever in Turkey. Others said that he was serving out a jail sentence in Romania for burglary. In 1920, a soldier in the French Foreign Legion reported on another soldier by the name of Hoffman. Now, if you'll recall, the fake name that our buddy Bela was using to communicate with single ladies, it was Hoffman. Uh And Hoffman in the French Foreign Legion had a weird hobby, and his weird hobby was bragging about how good he was with a garrote and strangling people, which is what Bela did to the ladies. Oh! He also roughly matched Bela's description. So this French Foreign Legion soldier was like, 
hey guys, this dude's weird. Something's up. But by the time the police got there, Hoffman had deserted. So they don't know if it was actually oh, Bailey Kish. Sure oh. seems plausible, though. Yeah, if you yeah, are going to totally desert. Weird. I mean, yeah. It, also, if you're going to be hiding in plain sight using your pseudonym that you used to hit on ladies you later murdered and swindled, like... Maybe don't also brag about how good you are at strangling. At murder. Yeah. I'm so yeah. good at murder. You know what I'm really good at? Strangling people. <laughs> so weird, oh, right? Me too. We have so much in common. Oh my god, let's be best friends. <laughs> I'm really good at draining people of their blood. Oh my god, I'm wow. good at that too. Oh, so cool. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> the last known sighting of Bela Kish was in New York in 1932. Oh, God. A homicide detective was pretty sure that he saw Bela Kish leaving the subway in Times Square, and there were rumors that Bela was working there as a janitor, but when police arrived to question the janitor, he was gone. Of course Ew, he, he made it to America. Gone. He made it to America, and this <sighs> motherfucker vanished. Like, let me show you him. All accounts say he was hot. I do not think he was hot. It might have been a 1920s thing. Oh, God. I, like... Before he murdered the ladies, he swindled oh. them out of their money. That is oh. not a face That's I would let swindle me out of anything. I would tell no. him to go kiss off. Uh, go yeah. kiss off. Go kiss <laughs> off. <you. laughs> kiss. Um, Sheesh, his, the, the His body count reminds me a little bit of the... the H.H. De- Holmes? H.H. Holmes, yep. The devil yeah, the I was just thinking, yeah, I was thinking of him too, yeah. Yeah, yeah that same kind of like hiding in plain sight. And yeah. there's all these like little weird things and people are like, huh. That seems okay. Oh, well. <laughs> Like, you, apparently it was very easy to get away with murder in, like, the 19-teens. Yeah. Just, like, do whatever the fuck you want. That's fine. People say it was, like, before DNA, but really it was before common sense. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> you know, that, that Bela Kish guy entertains a lot of ladies at his place, and I don't necessarily see them leave later. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's fine. <laughs> they were fine. It's so much they decided to stay. <laughs> <laughs> he's very handsome. Yes. Oh, God, and he's got those mustache. cool metal drums in the back. <laughs> and then the last one I want to do is more recent. It is the Malaysia Airlines Flight MH370. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would like to thank... Well, I don't want to thank them. We'll get into it. Okay. So <laughs> everybody knows this origin story. If you don't... On March 3rd, 2014, Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 took off from Kuala Lumpur for Beijing. Right. But they never got there. Part of the way into the flight, air traffic control lost contact with MH370. And then at that point, the plane veered off course. And air traffic control lost it completely on its radar. And then the plane was never seen again. Jeez, that's crazy. But... In March 2018, YourNewsWire.com published a report saying that images had emerged of the wreckage of the flight that lost 239 lives. The image, purportedly taken by Google Earth, shows the plane riddled with bullet holes and under the ocean where it disappeared. Hmm. After these images surfaced, a recording popped up, allegedly from the airplane's black box, with an eerie message on it. In military co-design, which I'm assuming is some sort of code, the message states... Danger, SOS, it is dire for you to evacuate. Be cautious, they are not human. SOS, danger, SOS, followed mm. by a series of numbers. These numbers were allegedly coordinates that pointed to a location near where the flight was last seen on the radar. Mm. But the good news is this is all a bunch of creepy pasta bullshit, probably yeah, put forth say. by QAnon bullshittery bullshitters. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only website that really reports on this is yournewswire.com, and they close out their article with a message asking for funds to help their, quote, independent media survive, quote, Big Brother censorship. 
Oh, so, God. That's, yeah. some, that's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. That's, <laughs> like, exactly what I took my... I went on a... I was working a summer camp, like, academic summer camp this week, and mm-hmm. we went to the museum in D.C. and did a fake news workshop. Yeah. That's exactly... That's exactly what <laughs> I'm like, the person who sent me that was like, is this real? Question mark. This was ages ago, but yeah. they sent it to me being like, do you think this is real? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they sent me the link and I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. was a huge story. If anything had turned up about this plane, mm-hmm. you would never hear the end of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good sure. news. And it also has elements of the Oorang Medan where mm-hmm. you get that mysterious SOS where it's like, they're all dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. So it it took a little bit of column A, took a little bit of column B, and then said, give us money so we can continue to peddle bullshit. Exactly. Mm. And those are my disappearances! (laughs) Yay! Yay! (laughs) I'm glad I could sort of lighten us back up. Yeah, right? Yeah, With Bela Kish, the world's worst serial dater. (laughs) Garbage person. I'll be thinking about Bela Kish for a while. Yeah. We'll post his picture on the Instagram, so if you are swiping through... Tinder, Grinder, Bumble, <laughs> OkCupid, your online dating app of choice, and you see this motherfucker, do not give him your money, and do not no. go see his really cool metal drum collection. No. Definitely Just don't do not. it. No. Just don't do it. Because that motherfucker was probably a vampire. Right. And probably. at the very least, he was a murderer. Yes. I want to know where all that blood ended up. Like, I know! Like, it wasn't it, it in was the drums. Like... It was not in the bodies. Where was it? And I assumed <sighs> it was in, like, the locked room. It oh. wasn't, because when they finally what? went in there, first of all, they arrested arrested his poor housekeeper, because they were like, there's no way you weren't involved. And she's like, no, seriously, he told me never to go in that room. And oh. I was like, okay, I'm going to mind my beeswax and do my cleaning cleaning. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's pre-World War One, jobs were not yeah. plentiful. Right. And so, like, when they go into the room, they mostly just found he had corresponded with something like 74 women, and oh. he was bilking them for money. Oh. And then some of them, he would hit a certain point in the bilking of the money, and then he'd also be like, hey, do you want to come over? And that was when he would do the strangle, strangle, puncture, puncture, Ugh. drip, drip. So, <laughs> oh my in gosh. scientific terms. Yeah, so where did the blood go? Where'd the yeah, blood go? Did he drink did he it? Just, did, oh. Did, I oh, mean, that's, that, that that's he would be so a vampire. He had the two puncture so marks. Like, I mean, did he bathe in it? Was he like taken after queen mary like what yeah. was he doing or the countess of uh bathany yeah he also bathed in yeah i don't know like you'd think if he was bathing in it the housekeeper would be like why do you have so many kool-aid stains on your bathtub yeah that's true how would so he hide that yeah but again he was also allegedly very very charming so maybe he was just like oh sorry i like taking tomato paste baths because i <laughs> get a lot of skunk action in my life oh my god <laughs> i don't know that's he so seems weird, like the person right? who And then like... he disappeared! That motherfucker doesn't <laughs> get to disappear. And he ended up in America, maybe! <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, when I first read it, I had misread it that he was working at, like, a local school as a janitor. Oh. And I was like, well, this is deeply upsetting, but he wasn't. He was just a Good. janitor oh, somewhere thank God. in New York City. <laughs> get so. him away from the children. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, you want to see my metal drums? No! no! <laughs> Stay away from children! <laughs> Yeah, oh so those gosh. were some mysterious disappearances. This yeah, that's for sure. A spoop hour hour. Our roller coaster with mysterious. Augie. Yay, Augie! Yay. Thank you for coming. Yeah, oh, thank you so pleasure. much. Pleasure. So I have a podcast and I have two blogs. Yeah. Uh, on one blog, I write short horror stories every week, and on the other blog, I review shitty horror movies with Stark out the ass. 
it's <laughs> it's so much fun tearing apart these terrible movies that I watch yes. on Netflix. And uh, I put them both in a podcast that I come out with two episodes per week. Tuesdays are my short stories. Thursdays are my movie reviews. You can find literally everything on augiepeterson.wordpress.com. And actually, I'm going on a short hiatus in another couple of weeks. But I have almost 60 podcast episodes for you to catch up on and a whole bunch of stories. And I have a short story collection available on Amazon. If you'd like to buy it and support it, I also have a merch shop where I have uh, commissioned art from a lot of independent artists. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's another thing I do. I interview independent artists once a month as well. So if you're interested in that and not everything else I do, you can find that on my website as well. so cool. So, yeah. Augie is super yeah. awesome. Just like, yeah, just like, like full stop. Like <laughs> Augie is living the best life that Bela Kish thought he was living. Ha. Yes, <laughs> but presumably you do not also have she's not big a vampire. metal drums full of vampire no. bodies. No, my part was not big enough we, for that. Know. All we see are, is your closet, and there are no <laughs> metal true. drums in there. That's true. This could be my underground bunker where I keep all of my giant metal drums. You don't know. I knew it! Oh, God. I knew it! I told Sasha before we Skyped, I was like, she's going to have big metal drums underneath in her underground bunker. And Sasha was like, Courtney, that's so oddly specific. And I was like, mark my words. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. You got me. (laughs) All right, cool. And then this has been fun. As a reminder, we're Spoop Hour, Paranormal Comedy. Sasha is over there. This is Courtney. Podcast or not, I'm busy. I pointed at Sasha. I don't know why. I'm like, this, she's the one she, on she, this she, side. She's over in that direction. <laughs> she's, she's somewhere. It's fine. Sasha's um, just a puppet that I yeah. have. Uh, find us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. Email us stories. Yes, thank you, thank John, you again, John Cena. Cena. Yeah. <laughs> Tell everyone that you're John Cena now. You're welcome. Yes. Right. Thank, thank you for sending us your story. If you have stories about your haunted time on a military base, mm-hmm. about your haunted time anywhere. About finding weird animals in your house. <laughs> about living next door to a weirdo who has big metal drums. <laughs> about the time that you brought Samuel L. Jackson over on the explicit promise that there would be no snakes in your yes. house. And that it turned out your entire house was snakes. Yes. Email I bet us. he no. would be so mad. He has had it with these monkey fighting snakes on his Monday to Friday house. Yeah. Is exactly. what he's had. Hey, this is Clay. This is Corey. And we are the Two Dads Review Podcast. Uh, what do we talk about, Corey? Movies? Yes. Uh, TV shows? Yes. And we're dads? Are those all questions? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, find all that and more over at twodadsreview.com and your favorite podcast app. All right, so you drew the four, uh, four of Pentacles. Sorry, I don't did know you if you sneeze? heard that. No, that was the cat. My cat just did the tiniest little baby sneeze. She's a little baby. Oh, oh my goodness, how precious. <laughs> Because all of a sudden there was a chew and I didn't seem to have moved. And I'm the more likely to sneeze (laughs) one. Um, Okay.